Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket World Cup Daily Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Scene, who we've partnered with to deliver all our podcasts and videos for the end of the 2023 World Cup. Starting soon on wisdom.com, Scene will be powering our new interactive videos, allowing you to easily skip to certain segments and find relevant articles, offers and opportunities by simply clicking directly within the video. Australia are world champions. Never in doubt. They win the Men's World Cup for a sixth time after a frantic final at the Modi Stadium goes their way. I'm Yazron and with me today is Phil Walker, Joe Harmon and Mark Butcher. Butch, not far off the perfect Australia performance, a stunning achievement to win a World Cup in India against this India side. Yeah, um, they've climbed their Everest, haven't they? I reckon that's as, as tough an assignment as you're ever going to get. Um Winning against that Indian team who have been utterly magnificent from the start. Um, winning against that sort of crowd. You know, there, there were periods there um, when the wickets fell in the in the run chase where it was utter bedlam in the in the ground with well, we're a little bit unsure of the exact number. Ravi Ravi said 120 at the end, but we think it's probably more around ninety-eight or something. Ninety-nine percent of which were Indian fans. Um, that is as, as good as it gets. Um, Australia are serial winners of World Cup, serial winners of World events. Um, they've had an incredible year. What with the World Test Championship, retaining the Ashes here in England, and uh, and now this, and I think that's probably the crowning glory of the lot. It's just a, a staggering achievement, and they played pretty much the perfect game from the moment that um, that Pat Cummins decided that they were going to have a bowl first. Um, on winning the toss, um, you know there were a lot of a lot of things that would have gone into that decision, um, namely the, the probably the, the change or the, the hopeful change in conditions in the, in the second half with Jew. But you also had to make the consideration about chasing runs in that atmosphere, in that ground against that bowling attack. Um, they decided it was worth taking the punt, and it, and it paid off magnificently. They bowled and fielded like absolute demons. It was a it was a stunning performance, and they are worthy worthy world champions. Mm. Um, that is the end of the story, I'm afraid. And and, and for India, um, a massive missed opportunity. Winning eleven out of eleven was always going to be a tough ask. You'd rather have lost one earlier than that, than the final. Um, they've they've provided incredible entertainment and great skill throughout the tournament, but just wasn't enough on the day. Mm. Joe, just an incredible year for this Australian team who've spent most of it well away from Australia. They had that series in India 
which feels like years ago, but then they had the IPL for a lot of them, World Test Championship, retaining the Ashes in England, and coming here unfancied. Phil was basically the only one who, who gave them a hope. Um, for a lot of these players, you know, Steve Smith, Pat Cummins, Josh Hazelwood. I was waiting for Phil to bring that uh, up, actually. But I'm, <laughs> oh, I was going to mention it. I'm glad you've beaten him to it. But for a lot of these players now, they're three-time white ball world champions. They've uh, retained two Ashes series in England. Um, won the World Test Championship. This is this is not quite ponting and wars Australia, but for this era of Australian players, they've achieved almost everything you can achieve in the game. Stunning achievement, and I agree with Butch. I think this is probably the best of the lot. We've talked a lot about uh, preparation over the last six and a half weeks doing these podcasts in terms of India being perfectly primed for this thing that they've been building up to, that England hadn't done it properly. Well, Australia hadn't really done it properly either. Pat Cummins had captained two ODIs before Australia arrived in India for this tournament. Um, he, we had Manus Labashain seeing them home there, who wasn't in their original squad, wasn't really meant to be in their team even when he was, and finds himself being the kind of the glue in that middle order. Um, you have one specialist spinner in your squad going for a World Cup to India. That doesn't look like good planning. As it happens, Zamp had an absolute blinder. Um, and Maxwell did really well in that support role as well. Mm. So, And this isn't to diminish their achievement. Anything, it, it makes it even better that actually they had so many things against them. This wasn't their number one target. Clearly, they wanted to win the Ashes in England, which they fell just short of doing. Um, but stunning to beat that Indian side. I didn't think they stood much of a chance today, really. It just felt like India couldn't be stopped. But... Aside from, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to details of the game, but that the catch from Travis Head to mm. get Rohit Sharma, that felt feels to me like the kind of the you know the hinge point of the whole game really, and obviously he batted fairly well as well. Not a, ba not a bad day for the guy. Yeah, I mean Phil, it wasn't just uh, an amazing catch that that, that turned the game, um, but also that's one of the great World Cup innings from Travis Head, 137, not quite not out, find the man that. Uh, deep mid-wicket at the very end, but player of the match in the World Test Championship final, player of the match in the semi-final, player of the match in the final. Um, an extraordinary year for Travis Head. He also made 160 balls in his first game back, having smashed his hand mm. up, and we all assumed, firstly, that he wouldn't make the squad. Secondly, if he did, that he'd only really be involved right at the death. So it was a real punt, really, to put him in, into that squad. They brought Labashain in as cover. Labashain wouldn't have been in the squad if Head hadn't busted his hand but then to come in in that in that game halfway through the tournament hit 60 ball 100 that changed the the mood around the team just as they'd they'd looked like a good side coming into it and then he he had that injury and then South Africa steamrolled them in the build-up to the tournament and then obviously they lose their first two and he's such a key figure because he he dictates the whole tempo of the innings Warner's not quite the player that he once was although you did well to pick him out and he had a good tournament but more often than not, it's been head in the last two years that's driven that team on. He's a peculiar player, one off, a singular player. He bats five in the test team, which is the dream position to bat in test cricket, really. And he opens in the one day team. Only the really, really good players, the top World Cup class players do that. And the way he plays, he's so untrammeled and he's so un, un, unbothered, right, mm. by... In, in the, the purity of, the, of his stroke making, he appears to be completely unbothered by the situation. And yet, people who know him well in the journalistic world, such as, say, Adam Collins, who knows him pretty well, he says that in the early part of his career, he was absolutely beset by self-doubt. And in the interview I did with him before 
the tournament, he totally acknowledges that, Joe, didn't he? Like he said, yeah, the first few years, didn't really believe in myself, didn't know what I was doing at that level. I'd got a few runs as a kid, but came out of nowhere really and didn't really back myself. It was only when I just got to a point where I just was able to shake the doubts out of my head and just play without consequence that he started to actually enjoy himself as a professional cricketer. And now you see that, brackets, he also made 160 in a day here at the Oval in, in the big the big test match final, right? Extraordinary player. Gives up all three stumps. Just to poke it into the offside, it gives, it gives, it gives you three stumps. He plays this sort of on-the-edge-of-your-seat risk cricket and yet has become as consistent as any player in the world. He averages 60-plus for the, over the last two years in 50-over cricket and, and whacks it at 120, literally. Mm. And it, fe- it felt like madness. He was going to be an unfulfilled talent and now suddenly he's done a lot by the age of 29 and could have a stunning career. I mean, he's probably Australian captain and waiting. He'd say, I don't see Cummins doing that job for a hugely long time. I think he's, he's primed to take over that role now. He could be a huge figure in Australian cricket. This isn't just going to be a one-off innings. He's already done enough to be a notable uh, standout Australian batter and and I think future captain. I, I was listening to the radio actually coming in here, watch it majority on TV, but listening to TMS and Jeff Lemon was on with Aaron Finch actually. And they were talking about how Marnus was a bit shotless. They were absorbing pressure, but the pressure was building, deepening. And Kuldeep bowled a conventional leg break, left armor, left armor obviously. So he's playing against the spin and he sticks him 90 metres over mid-wicket and that changed the dynamic of that that period of time and then from that point it felt quite processional right you know and, and it was almost sort of comical really towards the end lovely that he got out at the, the death you know no, no one wants to see a red inker when you've batted like that you know it's that sort of class get, get the standing of to, make, to make sure you yeah you lob one up to deep mid-wicket yeah. and stroll off I, I was going to bring up that shot as well because at Butcher 47 for three with the ball hooping round mm. With Indies attack, we know what they've done all tournament. There was a period where Australia just weren't really going anywhere. And you're like, suddenly, hang on, these 190 runs, are where are these actually coming from? Yeah. And it was that shot of Cool Deep that sort of um, swung the momentum back into Australia's favour. And every opportunity that Head had over the, the next 30 overs to attack, he just took it. Yeah. Um, wh- what do you think makes him so good at doing that because he seems to have he seems to be someone who has quite a simple game plan and just completely backs it well I think if you if you look through the whole of the innings particularly when Jadeja and Kuldeep were on in, in that middle period um, he basically tries to play Marnus was propping forward playing very sort of test match style and, and just to try and keep them out acknowledging that if if Kuldeep and and and, uh, and Jadeja had picked up three wickets or something between them in, the, in their 20 overs they would probably lose the game but uh, head stays back, right? He's, he's always looking to stay back. He'll give up his stumps, given the given the chance with a little bit of length to try and slap it through the offside, and then the bowlers end up having to chase. They they kind of got to a point where the, the run rate wasn't going up. You know, it was still around around just under fives, and so they then had to try and attack to take wickets, which is when he got the chance. You know, that every once in a while one would go up in the air a little bit, and he just bang it over mid wicket. Um, what makes him such a, a special player overall is that. He has the most incredible hand-eye coordination. I mean, that's that's kind of the basis of it. He has no no technique to speak of, um, and but does kind of understand um, understands kind of risk to a certain degree. Not in the way that not in the way that Marnus Labuschagne understands mm. risk, but he understands. Okay, well, I need the ball in a certain place to be able to hit it in the places I want to hit it. But the rest of it is based entirely around instinct and, and hand-eye coordination. 
Um, and of course, if you're going back to what you're talking about him as a, as a younger player, if given the lack of sort of any real sort of technical um, prowess as a batter, and you, you don't need it, um, if you have the, the hand-eye coordination that he's got, if you've got doubt in yourself and doubt as to whether you're doing the doing as to what you're doing is the right thing, then that is going to cause you problems. If you have no doubt about whether what you're doing is the right thing, then you have no problem whatsoever. Mm. You're not bothered about how you're looking. You're bothered about the method that you have, which is going to score you the most runs. Um, and it was, you know, he he's just to do the two innings that he's played, obviously over the course of this year, the World Test Championship final. It was zapping around all over the place here at the Oval. India's bowling attack on song, it decking around, flying through to the keeper. He makes 160. How? You know, how do you make you know under those conditions? So he does it there, um, wins him the game, and then uh, you know once he'd got himself. Once they'd got off to the start that they got off to, even with the bedlam going on around them after the three wickets fell, you just felt like, okay, he's kind of got this under control. Unbelievably calm innings as well as, you know, brutal. Um, Especially when you think how those first eight or nine overs of Australia's reply were ridiculously manic, completely (laughs) breathless. India was so desperate to take wickets because they knew they needed to. And there was sort of a jaffer followed by five wides and every, there was something happening every ball. Australia playing some awful shots. Warner's was a terrible shot. Mitch Marsh looked like he was going to get out any other ball where he wasn't hitting a six. So to actually slow it down, and Labuschagne deserves a lot of credit for this as well, to, to slow it down and then go again, I thought was incredibly impressive. And it won't be remembered as a, a classic match, I guess, because in the end, Australia won comfortably. Well, no, but, it, was a, it was an awful match. But but I thought in terms of... <laughs> it, I thought it was a good advert in terms for 50 over cricket, which obviously we've talked a lot about over the last few weeks in showing the different tempos that you can get within a game. Like that first phase felt like, you know, a T10 or more than a T20. <laughs> mm. But then actually there were periods that felt a bit like a test match. And I think that's, that's ODI cricket at its best. Sure, we didn't get the grandstand finish, but you can't always get that. Um, but I thought it was a it was a really good game and another bit of vindication for why 50 over cricket should have a, a future in amongst all the rest mm. of it. Knock out 50 over cricket anyway. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, good. Um, Phil, good you caveat. Just, just, <laughs> just finally on, on head. So, World Player of the Year has to be, Men's Player of the Year. Man of the match in that final out there. Man of the match in the semi-final. Man of the match in the final. Yeah, I mean, you can't, can't really argue with it. Um, World Player much. of the Year without a doubt. Yeah. Um, Butch, on, on Labuschagne, as Phil said earlier, sort of accidentally in the squad, sort of accidentally in the side, thanks to how many injuries it had at various points in the tournament. He went about his innings very differently to how pretty much all the pundits on, on commentary said they thought he was going into a shell a little bit too much. But actually, it was almost quite an old school ODI chase in that it was, Marnus, make sure you're there at the end. In, in, and, it, and it worked well because of what Head was doing. Australia, Australia went to tens for the first four, right? And that sounds... Like well, that's you know that that's that doesn't mean anything in the context of the game. You knock off forty out of the two hundred in the first four overs, two down because and you, know, you take fifteen off Bumrah's first over. And mm-hmm. Exactly, you can't, you know that it would Australia were always always coming out to do that. But what Travis Head did was then smart. It's kind of the thing that you you would call for in the, under the situation, which was um, right. We we can't afford to lose any more wickets now. And also, we're we're way way ahead of the rate, so we can take our time to make sure that we get ourselves in. Marnus comes in and, and and does exactly what they they kept him in the side for, um, as you say, which was in, in the last two games over Stoyness. And you know, after the semi final, I said that perhaps they'd leave him out because he didn't work out particularly well for them, with him being the sort of like a guy playing Test match style cricket in the um, in the middle overs. However, 
Um, you know, Australia did their homework to the nth degree on terms of the, in terms of the surface, uh, and on a surface whereby it wasn't going to be three hundred plays three hundred, he was the right man for the job. I also saw in the build up to the into the match, he, he and um, and Steve Smith both spent a couple of hours each in the nets against sole, solely left arm leg break bowlers and left arm spinners, and kind of worked out a way of being able to tick the score over without taking any risks, mm. um, which is exactly what Marnus did. I mean, even even though in the partnership, particularly in the in the early stages of it, Marnus seemed to be going absolutely nowhere at all. By the time I got off the tube, I, my my signal disappeared out of my ears. They were going at, they were going at above fives, the pair of them against the spin through the middle, and then every time um, Rohit Sharma went back to the seamers to try and break a wicket, they just they they let loose again or head mm. let loose again. So it was perfect. Um, that's that was why they had him in the team, and, and and congratulations to them for for sticking to their guns. But more importantly, I think congratulations to them for reading the conditions as well mm. as they did because they they read them utterly perfectly. Yeah, just a couple uh, of moments of head letting loose. Uh, he hit Shami's first ball back in the attack over his head for one bounce mm. four, um, and also I think Boomer's first over back in the attack went yeah, for he went for 15, 15, 14 or fifteen, 15 again. Yeah. yeah, so every time and, and Siraj, as soon as Siraj came into yeah. attack, he bopped him over mid wicket for, uh, you know, India made the decision. Um, First time that Shami had, had taken the new ball in the tournament, which I, I even though you could say, okay, well he bowls brilliantly left-handers. India, uh, Australia got two left-handers at the top. He then he then went against what he would normally do, which is keep seam upright and bowled cross seam deliveries with the new ball, worried that he wasn't going to be able to control the swing. So you kind of, you know, you you've, you've tried to you've tried to be a little bit smart and attack the two left-handers with your gun bowler against left-handers, but he goes away from doing what he does against them naturally, mm. um, which is to keep the seam up. So um, you know there there were there were there were small areas of you know head-to-head competitions or, or sort of tactical. Um, decisions that were made that Australia got perfectly right and India maybe missed. Mm. Um, just try, trying to figure out how Head is so good. <laughs> <laughs> just think about it there. Um, because he stays quite leg side of it, it, he seems to have more control than other left left-handers pl- facing right arm over because he can kind of open himself up and he can target areas where in one day cricket you don't tend to have fielders. You don't tend to have a fielder sort of straight cow, for example. You know, you have it mid-wicket and you have obviously a long on. And so because he does give himself that sort of space, he can control the the areas mm. where he wants to hit it more than a perhaps more conventional player who will be a little bit more clogged up because they'll be covering their, their middle and off stumps. And so, you know, it's it's quirky and idiosyncratic, but you saw it say at the head, in the Headingley Test match, right, when England were bouncing him and they literally had five figure five five men out from backstop to a straight long off long on and he could still pick his spots because he has this peculiar almost unique way of line of lining it up as a southpaw tell me tell is there any any anything in that any logic at all or is that just well no no it's just it I'm trying if, to figure him out. But if you're <laughs> if you're going to do that, it's, it's a little bit like the Graham Smith conundrum, right? Graham Smith with his with his sort of bottom hand wrapped right underneath the blade and he he would deny himself the 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 pleasure of of stroking the ball between point and and extra cover on the front foot because the angles of, his, of the way he held the bat and everything else sort of went against that. So Travis Travis Head in in playing in that way, he is not trying to hit the ball back through mid on, 
right? He's not trying to hit on the front foot through mid on. So what it does is if, if he if he keeps nailing the ball sort of over straight mid wicket off the back foot with a cross batted shot, the bowler then has two options really. I mean, in one day cricket, he only has one option and that's to go a bit wider. And of course, given that he's already in position to hit the cut, cut shot, he flays it through there as well. So he, he, he sets himself up to hit the ball square and denies himself you know, he doesn't ever try to kind of get back in line, back and across and bang it back down through mid-on because if he did that, he'd get himself into massive trouble. So yeah. all of these things are a trade-off. His, his eye is so good, though, that when you do throw it outside the eye line, he can still throw his hands well, at well, it and the head is still enough to be able to make contact. That's the only orthodox thing that he does, really, is he just keeps his head very still. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's the hand-eye coordination then flows from that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Amazing player. Um, Joe, Pat Cummins had an amazing day. Basically, everything he did turned to gold. And he admitted... Um, himself before the tournament that he was still working out his own role in ODI cricket and and you said earlier that he'd only captained twice I mean first the toss and then his his spell um, obviously Head was the player of the match but but Cummins was almost as important as, as, as Head was I thought he bowled magnificently I'd, he had such a good back end of the tournament because even what three or four games in I remember us talking about you know is does he actually know how he wants to bowl in 50 over cricket? Has he done it enough? What is his role in that side? It wasn't entirely clear. Then we had the captaincy question on top of that. Um, it, it, I think you even talked about dropping in for Sean Abbott at some stage. Yes. I, I asked the question. Yeah, you asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we probably all said no. But, um, <laughs> but no, he really, really came into his own. You know, he's such a good bowler. There is obviously no reason why he shouldn't be brilliant in all formats. And, and today he was he was great. The, the conditions obviously suited that pace triumvirate. Uh, Mitchell Stark was absolutely bang on it again after. Um, <coughs> I think there was a bit of controversy when he was he was rested for the Bangladesh game. Bangladesh game. And it looked at that time like he needed a, a game to take some wickets to get a bit of confidence back, to get his rhythm. But actually they obviously made the call that he, he needed a bit of a, a breather. And after that, he's just been sensational mm. in the semis and final, which I guess would have been another call from Cummins, probably. He got pretty much everything right for, for the last two-thirds of the tournament going into the final. Um, and and, and it's, it's really. that three again. Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins, they've, I've just had a look here, seven for 149 from their 30 overs. Mm. So I was going to ask this, actually. So a lot of people before the final um, in the preview pieces, etc., were talking about Australia's knack of, of getting through tournaments um, after the final. So a lot of people saying, you know, it's, it's just inbuilt in them. How much of it is just they have those three? Like if you have those three for a decade, you're going to win a lot of matches even when you're not batting very well. Um, they, they cause problems on any surface against any batting lineup. And, you know... And they're, also, they're also constantly there, the three of them together. Yeah. Right? It, it, it seems like whenever there's a big Australian game, they're all fit. They're all firing. They're all completely together. And they always raise their game in, in, in the big moments. Stark has had a very uneven tournament. And yet you absolutely know that you knew that he would turn up in the semi and you knew that he'd turn up today. Same with, with Hazelwood. Um, just going on Cummings as well, you know, brought Maxwell in early on, right? They'd got off to a bit of a flyer. Gill had, had holed out. Uh, Stark had gone for a few, brought Maxwell in before his main spinner, before himself. Uh, and, you know... Travis Head's dream day began with that catch. That is an all-timer, mm. you know. It's a stunning catch. The ground that he covered in that, that second and a half as, as Rowett skewed one up in the air, as an outrageous catch, I think. Mm. Especially from a bloke who had a broken hand <laughs> yeah. what, a, a, a few weeks yeah. ago as well. I, I think that's fascinating. Sorry, we keep going back to Travis Head, but I think that's probably fair, fair enough, enough given yeah. the day. I mean, you'd, you'd have had 
hand injuries as a batter. Like, no, I, I, I didn't actually. Did you no, not? No. I wouldn't have been able to have got there, to be fair, but the, the, hand, the hands would have been fine. <laughs> I, just, I, just find, I just find it amazing that he's been able to... I mean, he must be basically fine. You can't play the innings unless you're feeling, feeling fine. No, I'm, I'm sure there is no, no issue with it. And they must have... Medically, they must have known that there was a, a good chance that he would be, he would be absolutely fine. I, with, with those sort of hand injuries, particularly as as a batter, it all depends on which on, on which part pressure point on the hand is in contact with the bat handle as to whether you're fit enough to play. But I just thought I was just going back to thinking about what you guys were saying about Cummins, and you know, once once he decided that middle overs was his was his thing, and once he decided that he was going to use the middle of the pitcher down sight more and not you know not go. You know the white ball, as we know, you got ten overs maybe even with the two white balls of, of sort of lateral movement. Once he decided he was going to go in and kind of attack between the between the belly button and the and the neck, he, he then becomes a you know he be, he does what Liam Plunkett did for England's successful teams. In very all similar that World Cup final spell. Very very similar. And, uh, and, and the wicket had the highest percentage of any of slower balls yeah. of any seamer yeah. in the tournament, which again you know Plunkett would have slower done a balls thing. into the pitch and, yeah. and and hard and hard length, but even sort of further back than that. And of course, the wicket at Coley, because Coley at the time, listen, the, 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 the first innings was very, very difficult for India because the pitch was not very good. You know, the pitch was too, too, too tired, too worn, not enough grass on it, didn't have enough pace, and it was very, very too paced. So Coley comes out and, play, and plays a runner ball 50. Um, all in seat. Don't think he did he hit a boundary? Did he, he hit three he, in a row? Three in a row. Early, than that, early basically doors. It, yeah. Right. And you're kind of thinking to yourself, well, and, and and this was always going to be a big if if Australia had read the conditions or or, or the, the due hadn't come for whatever reason, then you know two eighty in that stadium against that bowling attack was going to be one heck of a mm. one heck of a challenge. It really mm. was. Um, but the fact of the matter was that Australia had a, at every turn kept taking wickets. Cummins used what four or five bowlers in that period outside of the power play, in order just to in order not only just to get through a few, but also to try and figure out okay which is going which guys are going to be the most successful um, in this period of time. Didn't panic when the partnership between Rahul and um, and uh, and Kohli got together and then broke the partnership himself by knocking over mm. Kohli, who had made it. It was the only batter on the Indian team who made it look like it was it was something you could bat on. And that was huge. Massive, it, massive moment. It, it was an game. amazing passage of play. So there's a nine-over mm. spell where Cummins made eight bowling changes. And if you're comparing the two sides... India can't do that with with uh, only have only having five bowling options. Whereas Australia, you know, you saw Mitch Marsh doing his Colin de Grandome impersonation, um, bowling stump to stump, medium pace with the keeper up. Travis Head bowled a couple of two two overs that went for for five, I think. Um, rewinding to the very beginning, Phil, very bold decision at the toss that paid off big time. Um, opting to bowl first, it's a, it was a decision that a lot of people went quite hard on when right. when Cummins made it. Um, so but, so but, I, I missed the first few overs Sunday morning. Um, <laughs> so I got final Phil. Yeah, but I, I saw my mum last night. You know, and she, she enjoyed. She, enjoys she has a heavy. It. She's heavy, isn't she? She Your enjoys mum, yeah. a dram. Yeah, yeah. You've met her. Yeah. Um, so I missed the first few overs. Turned it on about nine o'clock. So I missed the first twenty minutes, half hour, and thought, oh, all right, India won the toss. Yeah, fair mm. enough. And then I saw that. Australia had. I was genuinely surprised, and I thought, okay, well, that's audacious. Hope it works out for you, mate. Mm. Um, then you told me that Rohit would have batted for sure. So that then further sort of accentuates how cheeky the decision was, or how audacious it was, and also eliminates any question of the rubber the green having gone against India at all. You know, you, there can be no complaints because they would have done the same. Because they would have done the yeah. same. Um, 
so they got what they wanted and Australia dared to 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 get what they wanted mm. as well. It was a huge risk. And at 60 for one in seven overs, um, perhaps he might have been thinking, have I made the right call here? Because as Mark says, it didn't feel like a 300 track, 270, 280. But that middle period was a mad period of cricket. From, I think, overs 12 to 40, there was there was hardly any boundaries at so all. So 11 to 40, there were two boundaries. Two boundaries in, in 29 overs. There were 30 overs. Um, Cummins bowled 10 for, didn't go for a four. Zampa bowled 10 for, didn't, went for 1-4. So 1-4 in 20 overs between your, your third and fourth bowlers. Mm. But it, it still felt at that moment that India could get a good title. It was the, the dis, well, it was actually Stark's absolute jaffer to get rid of Rahul. Mm. That, was, that was a huge, or huge liver at a huge moment when it looked like India were about to explode and then they Hard had agree. to go back into their shell again because they've got this long tail that we've talked about. And it hasn't really worked for, for Sirikuma Yadav. Mm. Like, it, he, he's obviously got all the shots, but it doesn't look, like he feels that comfortable in in fifty over cricket, how to kind of marshal the innings, uh, and got a, ended up being a bit shotless, which is bizarre to think mm. for a player who has got probably more shots than anyone in in the world. But he just it looked like he didn't know when to go and ended up not going. And then there was the ridiculous scenario where Kuldeep ended up facing far more balls than he did, took a single off the final ball of the yeah, over, that was and that's got a fall on Yada really to say we're not going to take that single. Yeah, I mean it's been the World Cup of. Uh, predominantly test players having very good tours, especially with the bat. Um, going back to the toss, Butch, I, I um, was looking at the numbers yesterday. I was sort of intrigued as, as to what the what the right call will be at the toss. And you said that Australia did their preparation to, to the nth degree. And I thought this that this sort of summed it up, actually, in that the, the four games at the Modi Stadium before this game, three of them had been won by the side that chased. The other one was England failing to chase 280 against Australia when England weren't really scoring many runs. Um, and Australia actually bowled second at the Modi Stadium two weeks ago. So they knew when they batted that there was reverse swing that you probably won't get in the second innings. Um, and they know that due there comes into it more than at other grounds. So it was it was a very bold decision. It sort of made me think that throughout the competition, Australia haven't been able to implement whatever their plan A is at many stages because they've had the injuries, they've had uh, loss of form to several key players. Um, so they've always been reacting to what's in front of them. And this, today was just another example of that. Whereas India, they lost the toss, obviously, but also they, they were going to bat first. They were going to do what plan A was almost regardless of conditions, whereas Australia were very, very flexible. Yeah. They did something in the field they hadn't really done before. Yeah. Um, I, I still, you know, I still think it's a hell of a bold call because uh, all of those things were... All of those things rely entirely upon you d doing them well, mm. right? You know, it, uh, like I say, if, if they hadn't, it, they fielded so well in the first, you know, in the, in the power play. Obviously, the head catch, but you've got Warner and Labuschagne, you know, not l allowing anything to go through. The, the ground fielding was absolutely epic. The support for the bowlers was great. The bowlers bowled incredibly well. Um, and so, therefore... You know, Australia, uh, India could have made 270 batting first. Well, absolutely. I mean, there was 76 for one after yeah. 9.3 overs yeah. before Head takes that catch to get Rowett. I mean, at that mm. point, that still could have been a disastrous call from Cummins. <laughs> you know, if, if yeah. India go and rack up 320. Yeah. It's no, it, there was no no guarantee whatsoever that doing what they did um, was going to result in the in the sort of, in the, in the heavy win that they ended up taking. However, if they played to their absolute ability, then then it was on the cards. And they did. So you, you know, toss aside 
and conditions and the, and the way that they perhaps changed a little bit in the second half aside, they still had to do the job unbelievably well. And there was not a single person in the Australian team who, who didn't have, particularly in the field anyway, in the field with the ball, who didn't have the uh, close to a perfect day. Mm. Um, Phil, Australia weren't very good in, in the opening two games. Uh, we said earlier, Cummins only captain twice in ODIs before the World Cup. What do you think sort of... Before coming to but, India, is the so, stat. Yes, so they, yes. he, he had he captained in the ODI series against India before the World Cup, yeah. but before arriving in the country. Okay, two. so two two games before before arriving in India. What do you think Australia got right after those two losses? What do you think changed for them um, at that point? Um, certainly, landing on the idea of having a a, a tough old old world middle order at four and five. Uh, to allow the fantasy players in the top three and Maxwell, the freak behind them, that ended up on those pitches as the tournament rolled on, that ended up being a really good balanced model, I think. Uh, and they also deserve credit for going with Inglis early doors when mm. Carey began. Inglis is, what, 30-odd or whatever it was in the semi-final. Massive, not really context of that game took five catches today um I mean he'd have been disappointed to have dropped any but still that worked out really well for them Cummins has never been renowned necessarily as a sort of visionary captain he's more a kind of pragmatic leader from the front inspirational player him and his brains trust you know McDonald's had a really good tournament right <laughs> they've just got it right they've got the right people in the right places for the right conditions mm. And there's an identity to the, to the team towards the back end that wasn't really there at the start. Mm. Don't want to mention Travis Head again, but clearly <laughs> it did hinge on him, right? Mm. To a large degree, it hinged on him. Freed up Marsh, not a natural opener, to go in there and have a dart three. Uh, just all made sense. Yeah, also, uh, just just Zampa as well, who mm. had got taken a bit of a hammering leading into the World Cup, having had stunningly good form prior to that. Um, just looking up his stats a long time ago now, isn't it? Uh, not for 53 against India in the opener and then one for 70 against South Africa. And I think it was Finch or Watson saying on uh, commentary later in the tournament that Zampa just wasn't bowling like he had been previously and, and maybe as a result of being battered by that South African batting lineup. And then after that, he takes three fourfers in a row, then a threefer, then a threefer. To have those three seamers that we've talked about plus Zampa that's going to go a long way mm. to getting you to a World Cup final. Um, and he actually had, a, I suppose, a relatively quiet game today based on the rest of his tournament. But but they've got a really, really well-balanced bowling lineup. There is also something indefinable about playing for Australia, right? Six times. It doesn't happen by accident. Uh, they, they don't turn up to play. They turn up to win. And they often find a way of doing it. If they win the T20 thing in the summer... Then they hold the, if you like, the triple crown, you know, of all three. Uh, and when you consider how difficult it is across the formats, they also won the last but one T Twenty tournament, not given a sniff when and when and won it with their test team. Thanks very much. <laughs> There's something about that shirt, especially and, when and long and look, genuinely long may it fucking rain. I mean, I mean that you know, the, the international cricket needs Australia to be like that. Why they, they don't have a they because don't, they are such they a don't, part of the fabric of it. They don't have an enormous soul of it. In comparison with with well, sorry, say English cricket and with Indian cricket, I suppose they don't have a massive player pool either, which is why you what you, why you find them um, with with largely the the players 
through the formats are the same guys. Um, best players are the best players, right? And if you if you go into go into these things, particularly tournaments, I think with the attitude that it isn't, it's not necessarily about sort of any, any sort of ideology in the way you play. It's about it's about winning games. I mean, you know, we've had two knockout matches. Australia won them both. They won the South Africa game in scrappy fashion, but but, but got it done and, and have, have blitzed this team here. Um, that's kind of all that it's about. It, it, in in your bilateral series, when you're trying to when you're looking to try and attract people and keep people's attention to the format or whatever, maybe it is about going out there and playing in a certain a certain way in order to catch eyeballs. But when it comes to tournaments, the only thing that matters is a trophy. Yeah. Ask, ask the Indian fans. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, just I, I say this without comment, but it's now what? Well, 1996 was the last time. Uh, a men's team outside of the big three won the World Cup. Uh, you know, so that speaks of the imbalance in the game, right? We perhaps maybe talk about that later in the week when the dust has settled on it. For now, it's 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 a, rightly a celebration of a brilliant performance. But mm. um, when you when you do move forward in this format, if this format, if we are agreed as a game that we want to protect it, still want to nurture it, then. Um, then in an ideal world, there is a there is a greater pool of, of potential winners than we are we are seeing, mm. right? And and India and India and Australia have been notably far ahead. South Africa have been overperformed and played really well, but the the gap is 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 vast. Mm. To be fair, since nineteen ninety six, it has it has just basically been Australia, but two. Sure. So. <laughs> also, we know that but if you host I, these I tournaments, you've got a really good chance of winning them, and. They often do get the most opportunities to host these tournaments as well. All, all, all of that is fair. Yeah, all of that is fair. Well, India become the, the first side since West Indies in two thousand and seven to not win a home men's World Cup. Um, well, that's a good place to end part one. In part two, we'll talk more about India. Um, Bob asks, "Can you do the first five minutes of the show in pure silence? It'd be <laughs> fitting." <laughs> um, I can't remember a side dominating a tournament like they have to end up not winning it but we did a team of the tournament for the website and we had six Indian players in it you'd mentioned just there about ideologies um India I thought it was interesting that they went as hard for as long at the very start given the potentially um vulnerable lower middle order um Rohit Sharma plays a shot having hit 10 runs off two balls against Glenn Maxwell when when India are going at eights and two overs later, they're three down and, and they take a long time to recover. Did you think they could have afforded to be a bit more flexible today rather than just doing exactly what they had done in previous games on, on very different pitches? Yeah, possibly. I mean, you know, in the in the lead up to the to the final, we'd praise Rohit for setting the for setting the, the tone and for setting the tempo for the rest of the order. So it'd be a bit harsh to kind of to to pick him out for that. Um, again, potentially, I don't know. Potentially, they they hadn't quite read this read the situation or the conditions quite as well as Australia did. And when when two eighty was probably a really really good score, they went they went search shooting for the moon, which um, which can hurt you a little bit. Um, the, the interesting thing for me is, is and and there's been obviously there's been a lot of chat about pitches and all this kind of stuff, is that when you have a when you have a team as good as India are. Um, with with bat and ball, that the the flatter and sort of more even the surfaces, the better they are. You know, you kind of if if you you get hoist by your own petard a little bit if if the conditions level things out, or at least there's an imbalance between first innings and second innings in conditions. 
Um, and you know, it hasn't it hasn't really bitten them on the backside up until today. Um, but but I still I'd love I'd love to watch. You know, it'd be wonderful to watch the sort of like India's batters, people like Rohit and, and Virat and um, and and Gill and Kumar and stuff going out there and playing on something where the ball comes on and they can show us how good they are. You know, mm. but that that very that doesn't happen very often. Um, and particularly the bigger the game, the the, the more that you know. And, and Ahmedabad, the, the the surfaces have been pretty consistent throughout the whole thing, and there's no no um, no hint that there was any sort of pressure put on on this occasion around this surface. But my goodness me, would they, having been asked to bat first, they'd have preferred the ball to have been coming on a bit better than they mm. did in this one. And given their stroke players a chance to go out and do what they can do. Mm. Um, but but that's, that's, that's the situation they found themselves in. Um, and of course, having played so damn well and been so dominant throughout the rest of the tournament, they're, they're, people like Surya Kumar Yadav and the lower order have had nothing to do. So you come in in the, in the in the biggest tournament against an unbelievably good bowling attack in Australia, and you're kind of like a little bit scrabbling around for how you're going to make your runs, mm. um, and that and that's basically what happened. Um, the, the bowling bowling wise, they've always got a chance, right? You felt at three down that they they had a massive massive chance. Australia, to their absolute credit, um, did the smart thing, switched the brains on, and just went, okay, we repel for a little while longer, we wait for the juice to, to take a bit more of an effect. We don't get five down before that happens and we win the game. And that's what they did. Mm. Um, Joe mentioned it earlier, but there's off the wicket of Ayo who fell in the 11th over. India scored two boundaries in the next 30 overs effectively. And you had this very long partnership between Rahul and Kohli where they they didn't really take a risk for, for two hours. Um, what, what did you make of, of that passage of play? And, and do you think they could have afforded more risk or is it that was the way they had to play given what was to come? I think it's the latter really. And at the time... I thought they were doing a good job. I, I thought it was it was a holding pattern for sure. And, you know, they would have wanted to hit a few more boundaries. But the run rate hadn't completely stalled. They were turning over the strike reasonably well. Um, it wasn't like it was maiden after maiden or anything like that. And it was all going to be what can their what can their middle to lower order do in the last 10 overs, particularly if they lost a couple of wickets, which they did. And and that was that was always the weakness in the Indian mm-hmm. side. We just weren't sure if it would ever be visible because you might they might manage to win the tournament without it actually being a, a problem. But but it was for them today. Uh, looking at their squad, I don't think there's a different way they could have balanced their side, really. I, w- I wouldn't go down that route. Obviously, Pandya not being there makes things difficult, but it had gone all right for them up until mm. up until this point. Um, so no, I, I don't think that... I think that partnership, you know, at the time when Rahul walked off, I think one of the commentators said, we don't know yet if that's a match winning innings or not. And it felt like it, you know, it could be if it was going to be a similar game to 2019 final, where it was, you know, two scrappy innings, then that could have been a pivotal innings. As mm-hmm. it was, the conditions are so different in the second innings. It, it wasn't the same kind of match. Uh, and Australia played it to a tee. Mm. Um, Phil, how much of a loss was Hardik Pandya for this India team? Well, probably quite significant. Because Yadav, firstly, didn't get much of a go, uh, but also looked quite self-conscious and out of out of rhythm and nick when he did. And today's innings was a real struggle for him. Australia, again, tactically brilliant, just slower balls into the pitch with basically a backstop and a very, very fine, fine leg. Brilliant. Didn't really know where to go. Gloved it. Job done. Um, the other thing about Pandya, uh, he's the cockiest cricketer in, I've ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely loves it. Uh, he turned up for the 
the derby, right, against Pakistan and just announced I'm just going to bowl faster than I've ever bowled before, <laughs> folks. And, 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 behold, and sort of did. And did. <laughs> and then, because cricket's the cruelest of them all, obviously got injured a day mm. or two later. But um, it, he was a miss, I think. He was a miss for the... the, the for, for the sort of the the scale of the team, right? You know, and the shimmer of the team. Um, it was amazing how quickly it turned around, right? Just going back to the Sharma thing, and this is not a criticism of him because he set the tone and he's an icon. But there will be a lot of people who will be cranky in India at the moment, thinking, just just hold back a moment. You are ahead of the game. So much of 50-over cricket is about winning the first 10 overs. You've won them, hands down. And especially now we know what the pitch mm. was like. It wasn't a three... It was never going to be a 350 Yeah, pitch. but then, you know, it's cruel. He's played beautifully mm. 47, 30-odd balls. Um, he's hit seven of them to the boundary. So, my word, it'd be churlish to criticise him. But when you look at the moments, that was the key moment in their innings. If he had milked Maxwell... Uh, they are still ahead of the game. Mm. And then you set up that middle order. But as it was, suddenly you're 80 for three. And then it was a rebuild job. It was tentative and timid. Uh, and then Yadav, they knew that he was there and he'd made three runs in three innings or whatever it was. Uh, and he's never quite convinced for some weird reason in 50 over cricket anyway. Suddenly it felt a little bit shaky. And I think if Pandya had been in there with his his shoulders and his and his cockiness, then perhaps they'd have felt a little bit more relaxed about mm. about living a little in those middle overs. As it was, it was very, very tentative. I think all those both, weeks sorry. ago, Yazzie picked him out as your player of the tournament, didn't you, Panja? Yeah, and he what played two two games in the end. Um, yeah, but I, I that's think, how. But that, I'm just yeah. But that's how important we felt, or you particularly mm. felt, he was at the start at the start of this thing. Well, we, we'd, I was talking to a couple of um, our colleagues in uh, in India, and was sort of saying that maybe we were sort of underplaying how much of a, of a miss he was because in India were just more vulnerable in both disciplines without him in the side. So with, with the bat, he's a more adaptable number six than, than Surya Kumar is. I mean, to the extent that Yadav got demoted below Jadeja today. And then with the ball, if anyone is not 100% on it, again, they don't have anywhere to go. I mean, Siraj had a, a not particularly good day in the semi-final. But, didn't then, but, the he didn't, today. but he didn't get given the new ball, did he? I and mean, he that's get, kind of it. Yeah. They took away his main weapon in, in the first place. And then yeah. when he, he came back in, he had, he had nothing to go to. He didn't have any movement to work with. Um, yeah, obviously, clearly he was unbelievably important. But, but India had played so, so fantastically well without him. It kind of disguised the hole that he had left. Um and you're right, you know, the the the, the Rohit dismissal, the, the delivery that got rid of KR Roll, just as they, they just manoeuvred, they got themselves to a position where, okay, they might now be able to start being a little bit freer. And you still thought that, you know, with, with 10, 12 overs to go, that they if they put another 60 or 70, maybe even, um, maybe even 80 to 90 on the back of that score, that they'd be in really fantastic shape. And then Stark comes in and knocks over mm. KL with, a, with an absolute dream delivery from around the wicket. Um, look, India, India will, will, will think to themselves that, that they've, they've played brilliant cricket in the tournament and they came up against a side on the day that were better than them, um, yeah. which is going to happen. You know, it's, it's a World Cup final. They've got the two best teams in the world. I said in the last pod that the only team I felt that could beat them would be Australia. Um, and not only did Australia play the perfect game, but they also got everything else right as well in terms of their in terms of how they were tactically going to go about it. I guess the warning sign was the England game. You know, the only other occasion really where they lost three early wickets. They only got to two thirty odd, and it was sort of England's uh, 
struggles with the bat at the time, I guess, meant that we sort of glossed glossed over that to to a degree. Um, Joe, what do you think comes next for for India? Because for Australia, this all sort of have they got a T Twenty series in about a week? Yes, they, <laughs> technically that. <laughs> technically, yeah. Um, I mean, for, for for Australia, this sort of signs off this generation of players uh, on a high note. Obviously, that there's still more to come. But but for India, for this group of players to not won a white ball tournament since 2011 is extraordinary. Yeah, and there's some big decisions to be made. I I envisaged India winning this tournament. Rohit Sharma saying. That's my lot. What a way to go. But now, do you want to hang around for the next one? That feels like a bit of a stretch, but there is a Champions Trophy you could win before that. Obviously, you've got a T20 World Cup. I think the T20 World Cup's quite interesting in place because it delays a lot of these decisions. Mm. I think there will be a lot of retirements around now in the next couple of months, but a lot of players, I think, instead will see how the T20 World Cup shapes up and, and then make that call. Um, I mean, the one thing you know with India is there are so many good players. <laughs> I mean, that. And it's just which ones you go for, and it, and it as a as an outside observer, obviously watching Rohit is one of the kind of great pleasures. But there's also an excitement about what comes next, and and you know these are players that you see a bit of in the IPL, and you hear these names, but you don't know if they're going to be the next superstar. Uh, so, so so there's no concerns there, um, but you know the way the way it goes on, and, and every time they get, however good they are in a tournament, they're not going to be better in a tournament than they were in this one when they mm. get to the next final. Mm. So there'll always be that question, well, they didn't win the last one, are they going to win this one? And, mm. it, and it will nag away, you know, it certainly, certainly will nag away at the fans. When you see, you know, 120,000, as, as Ravi said, maybe more like 90, I think was the official attendance, there is absolute devastation there because everyone thought, well, this is the time when we're, we're going to win it. And it, sorry, it felt like they, they were at such a sweet spot as a side because they had players at different levels, different different phases of their careers that was quite complementary. Mm. You know, part of, I said, what makes Australia so good is, is that trio of fast bowlers. India, Shami's 33, Boomer turns 30 in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Jadeja's 35. Um, Ashwin, I know he didn't play much in the tournament, but he's, he's late 30s as well. The makeup of that Indian side after this T20 World Cup um, early next year is going to look very different quite soon. Rohit Sharma is three months shy of his 37th birthday. Uh, and will now, you can't imagine him play, being the captain of that side in four years' time, obviously. You, you, you'd be possibly a bit surprised if he can get up for the T20 tournament next, next summer. But perhaps he, he will feel that his career, adorned as it has this era, probably more beautifully than any other player, and he is in possession of some incredible numbers and feats. He's the greatest batter in World Cup history, statistically, from what we saw, the number of hundreds that he's made in World Cups. He made three doubles. He averages 47 in, in test matches, but he's only played 52, and he's almost 37. That's a devastating... Uh, story in in itself he didn't play for 10 years madly uh and he's never won anything in an indian shirt is that correct he might have won a champions trophy at some point he might have won the 2013 champions trophy yeah. here yeah. okay perhaps he won that perhaps he won that but he's not won any of the big ones he's been there so, so close to it so much uh and there will always be this sense that perhaps he's, he's the greatest of the players to not win anything really, truly, powerfully significant. Mm. I mean, others will say, well, he won five IPLs, and that would be mm. a fair riposte to that. But 
some players are great players in spite of the the, the medals that they have mm. in their draw at home. Uh, and some players are great players because of what they've won. Mm. And Rowett, as befits his slightly poetic air, I'm afraid fits into the former category. Well, I, I feel very similarly about Boomerah. Um, having Boomer in your side gives you such an advantage in World Cups. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. He's the standout seamer, fast bowler of his generation. And as soon as his powers wane, being competitive on the global stage, however good your next crop of young batting stars is, just makes it so much harder to win these tournaments. Yeah, sure does. Sure does. I mean, you know, once we get to three or four days hence from from this final, we'll, we'll probably be thinking, how the heck have they not won it? Um, you know, but that, again, that's knockout cricket, I suppose. But my God, with the with the the riches at their disposal, um, to not win it this time round just feels like, you know, the the biggest of, of missed opportunities, and and feels quite right to say it that you know the, a lot of these guys won't appear in another one, um, and the the experience and the quality has been hard won. You know, you don't all of that doesn't come together over the space of a couple of years of you know bedding in rookies to to a new team. That's that's a team at the absolute peak of their powers, um, and a lot of them won't won't see another one. So it's it's a it's a big shame for mm. for those guys personally, um, and and also I suppose it's also a mark of how incredible an achievement that is for Australia to mm. win it there as well. Mm. Absolutely. Um, Stuart Broad has more Test runs than Rohit Sharma. Really? Just looked at it. What? No, he doesn't. No. <laughs> I was going to no, say that. he has five runs fewer. No, 15 runs fewer. So, Rohit Sharma scored 15 more runs than Stuart Broad in Test cricket. Uh, what a way to end our World Cup Daily podcast. Before, um, before we go, okay. seeing as we've reached the end of this thing, a little toast to, to you, Yaz. Stunning effort over yeah, well six played. and a half weeks. Well, well played, Yazine. We've obviously just <laughs> swanned in here that and there. But quality. you've done the, the dead rubbers, the crushing one-siders. <laughs> uh, and All also, of England's games. And also to Dan, unsung I was, hero. I was going to say, editor, I think producer. Pl- player of the tournament from, uh, yeah. from here by Marl is our video editor, Dan Xenia, who has put together every single one of these. Uh, that is a Herculean effort um and also i guess thank you our listeners as well for sticking sticking with us especially through those <laughs> dark still days there, thank in you the very first much. half of the tournament uh what a, what an effort that has been uh we'll be back uh tomorrow actually tomorrow. for our <laughs> weekly show ah! <laughs> um but we'll be going to the pub to enjoy ourselves after this uh this episode of the wisdom cricket world cup daily podcast has been powered by scene once again scene are our video partners on wisdom.com helping us to deliver a more engaging and immersive viewing experience across mobile, tablet and desktop. Head to the link in our description to find out more. Sports Social Podcast Network.